1: Applications are in for most states with draws on the horizon. Whoo, man. We're on pins and needles just like you. But for those that draw out this year, what's next on the preseason plan? Well y'all, it's the million dollar question. Where are we gonna hunt? On tonight's part nine of our Elk Bros Preseason Elk Guide, it's all about scouting for your elk hunt. Your scouting goals and focuses and we talk about some realities you need to be ready for. All of those in our Elk Bros mailbox topics, along with our Elk Bros shout outs. So my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting.
2: Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkBros.com, with your host Gilbert Ornelas and elk hunting coach Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons, doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters.
1: Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And as always, for our Blue Collar Hunters following our show and grinding it out with us every week... Welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Arnelas, the host of your show, coming to you from Spring, Texas. And that's right, the Venezuelan mafia's in the house from Katy, Texas, and from the Dallas metro area, the one and only Luis Gonzalez and Manuel Grateron. And, yes, we have your elk hunting coaches in the house tonight. WWJGD is back <laughs> for action. Joe Gillia and the Ninja. The Elk Ninja is in the house with us tonight, Leroy Chav Chavez. What's going on, fellas? What's up, brothers?
3: Hey. What's going on? I don't know, Stand man. On, guys?
1: Hey, so it's back. I told you it's back. The the (laughs) listeners are clamoring for it, Joe. We're gonna set it up, bud. I saw it coming. I I don't know, man. I
4: don't know. Maybe I should put my hat on. That might help out a little bit tonight, (laughs) man. I had to I had to order more. We sold out of these puppies, man. So y'all better keep getting them while
1: we got
5: them,
4: yeah. You know, that's my favorite
5: hat,
1: Joe. Yeah, mine too. Yeah, mine too. Mine, I, I need to change the oil in mine and get me a new one. But at the end of the day, on the on the next set, guys, on the very back, we're gonna have WWJD. <laughs> 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 yeah, Guaranteed. I <laughs> <laughs> and I
4: want you to, I want you to notice the other thing, man. I got on my hat, man. I got that. I got my quiver the on there, man. My reed quiver. Mm-hmm. So we're That's ready awesome. to
5: rock, boy. Yeah, well, it is turkey coming up on turkey season,
6: Joe.
5: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would like to see Manana do uh, call column using it's a no natural, diaphragm.
3: It's a natural call, man. I can yeah. do it without any caller. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
5: Sounds great. Yeah, I can't yeah. wait. Can't wait you to uh, yeah. be spooking the elk out there like <laughs> you normally do. Well, so, but that
4: depends, man. Everybody has their applications in, right?
3: Yes, sir. Yes. Oh. Except for Manano. Manano. Right. Manano I, was waiting, I was waiting for Luis. So were waiting for
5: Luis. Okay. Okay. Keep yeah. waiting. i already done it.
4: Yeah, uh, no
3: Hey.
1: You know, Joe, we're talking about this tonight. I mean, you know, what are we going to do? Everybody's waiting on pins and needles, you know. Um, <laughs> everybody's going to be figuring out, well, you know, what's our backup plan or what's this plan or what's that plan. And, you know, you shot a great podcast uh, a few weeks back with uh, uh, one of the game wardens, I guess, and mm-hmm. our guys from... Yeah, New Jason Mexico. Burns. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sorry?
4: Uh, Mr. Burns over there?
1: Yeah, Mr. Burns. And I thought it was fantastic. A lot of great content on helping guys understand the draw and how to set it up and, and stuff like that. I mean, it actually helped us this year, too, because you know, I mean, as our camps growing and stuff like that, we need to be mindful about, you know, I mean, we hunt public land, so at the end of the day it's,
4: it's So I was gonna to talk too about just real quick, we get uh, we get some reviews as well over on our YouTube channel. And you guys know our buddy Cole from Flatlander, right? For sure. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> well Cole Cole wants he wants to come and just film for us during uh during our hunt and
1: uh mm, and i don't know we're gonna have to blindfold him and all
6: <laughs> yeah no.
1: the whole trip when he I shows up we take the blindfolds off yeah i mean you know we're we like- meet him in in an undisclosed city south of where we yeah. need to be, yeah. We're blindfolding him for Cole,
4: the next we, four can, hours. we can take you, Cole, but we might have to kill you when we're done. Yeah,
5: <laughs> and then and then take his phone away while he's there. No doubt. But, I mean, look,
1: you know, guys, if you get in our camp, well, you're sworn to secrecy. I
4: mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, you ain't got to worry about Cole, man. Cole's a he's he's he knows the bro code, man. And right. but but Cole was like, and have you, I don't know if you've seen his work, but he does fantastic. Yes,
5: work, he like, does. Oh Absolutely. God. I, yeah.
4: We get a we get one of his followers and Cole's always turning people on to us too and yeah. one of his followers comes <laughs> over and says uh, you guys really do some good stuff but your camera work is horrible <laughs> you need oh, you need oh. to have the that's, Flatlander come over careful
3: man
5: he's probably the seen guy just guy. he's he's probably seen just the. Just a word from Monano. Tell him to start checking our stuff out. Gilbert's and mine stuff. He'll probably change his mind.
4: Well, oh. I, I think a lot of it too, and I want everybody to know is a lot of people look at this podcast in which we are all on, we're on Different. a Zoom and we each yeah. have our own cameras and it'll kind of go back and forth. We really have no control over that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, look, and as far as our hunt video goes, I think it's a good video. We get to show yeah. people what we did. Could yeah. we get better quality in places? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I, I, you know, I told him I was like, "Man, ain't pros." Hey, man, uh, maybe we need to have somebody come in and film with us, dude. But we're better at killing critters than we are filming us killing. <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> no, we never claim to be professional camera guys. Yeah, we're so professional killers, and we're trying to learn how to be camera yeah.
4: guys. That's- Listen to this comment I got too, man. This this one, uh, a fellow can't. Uh and a fellow new mexican actually put on there and said uh y'all need to be cry bros man y'all <laughs> suck it <laughs> up you're always crying <laughs>
1: <And that> who was- <laughs> said that man about what <laughs>
4: i mean look this last season uh you know well Gilbert's wife's always teasing him that, what do you guys do, man? Y'all just go up there and cry all the time? And,
1: and, yeah. And, and yeah. honestly, God, you know, told me today that I was Luis's you know, uh, dog. Yes, a female, dog, female, female dog. Yeah, are you a female dog? And I'm
5: like, what is up with that? I and mean, said, I said, yeah, you're right, absolutely. It's always been
3: that way. Well, some days it's me, some days it's him. And, yeah. You know,
4: and, and I'll tell you, look guys, man, this last season, and after I walked up to my bull, I did not know uh, how much that was going to affect me that Mm -hmm. hunt not having chab with us and there there was such a a journey all that year and us being up there without him and thinking about stuff like that look it was what it was man and you know (laughs) i'm a pretty passionate dude and man it just uh it, it really it really came out and that's the first time i felt emotion like that um like I said, over, and a after I take an animal, in a long, long time, man. So, uh, look, I,
1: I, you know, they can say what they want to. I'm, I am who I am, and I yep. hadn't had I, <laughs> this was the first time I hadn't had Chad by my side in five years. Yeah, and I mean, uh, we were very emotional. We were texting him every day. We felt the pressure of taking care of business when he wasn't there. Uh, I mean, we were all kind of hunting for him, you know.
4: Well, so, and you know, I replied back and I gave a reply, and it was. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 So, <laughs> want to meet and talk?
4: <laughs> yeah. So, it's all good, man. i to good. buy
1: you a hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: so, uh, yeah, who knows, man. Uh, we're going to be, I'm, I'm going to be talking with Cole, man. Cole says he wants yeah. to drive up there, come in, do some filming. You know? Mm. Yeah. And uh, the dude, He's pretty solid. so. We'll Is he see.
1: from New Mexico, Joe? He's on your neck of the woods, bro. Oh, he's from Texas.
4: H- yeah. he's, he's not from Town, but uh, he's over there. He's a Texas boy, man. Just he's listen to him. He don't sound like he's from here. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, he sounds like y'all.
5: <laughs> <laughs> y'all. 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 <laughs> For sure. Yep. I'm hey, sure Pat, you're not including Manano in that y'all
6: yeah oh, shout
4: out man shout out to you and your man t-o man so uh we got Hello. the message we and we appreciate you and and for those of y'all that have not gone and checked out flatlander videos on the youtube he does an incredible incredible job yeah. passionate guy loves to hunt does great stuff man
1: you know joe I, I make fun of that and about those kinds of things but at the end of the day phew, have a guy want to come to camp and shoot video for us. I mean, fellas, we've arrived, right? I mean, that's pretty cool, you know? Uh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. And yeah. then Luis's, you know, cousin wanting to come. He's the professional. That's what he does for a living, you know? Right. Uh, yeah. He so. does
5: work for Netflix and stuff like that, man. Yeah.
1: So yeah. we're uh, so honored to have that kind of attention. And look, I mean, we're moving in that direction, fellas. So yeah. uh,
5: we just, know, now,
4: now we just got to draw a tag.
5: <laughs> yeah, now, just like everybody else. Very other, important. <laughs> we got to draw tags. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And for that, man, I mean, I, don't know, I don't know if you knew, but you need to apply. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're like
1: seven days away from not having a tag. And
5: if we don't draw a tag,
4: <laughs> if something happens where the crew doesn't draw out, Colorado, here we come. <laughs> some. Some, oh, for yeah. sure.
6: Something.
4: Yeah. We'll make it happen, man.
6: Yeah.
1: Absolutely. All right, let's rock and roll. You betcha. Guys, we all know shout what time out, it is. Out, shout out. Shout out. For the out shout out. shout outs. If shout you're new out. to our show, this is just a shout out to some of the cities with the most listeners top in our charts this week.
4: And shout out to those grinders giving us such great reviews on an Apple Podcasts. Jared Manring yeah. from Idaho Falls, Idaho. And Jared, man, keep Keep cleaning out that freezer, man. We love the attitude. He hasn't been (laughs) elk cutting yet, and he says it's going to be his first time in 2021. He's already making space in the freezer, man. He's got the right attitude. Ed Morris, and Ed Morris is from Louisville, Kentucky. Ed, since you're listening on the treadmill, bro, I want you to take that incline up three notches. <laughs>
1: you know joe's such a good coach in his notes it says one notch he's already pushed you past one he's yeah three baby yeah,
5: yeah baby. it's only one downside that you're not going to listen to a word of what we're saying during the podcast we're just going to be concentrated on, on the you know. treadmill.
2: <laughs>
5: hey we have a video
4: shout out yeah. so yeah this one, and we're going to talk a little bit about him when he gets done. Mr. Michael Scrogan. Hey, grinders, this is Michael and
1: Cade from Elk Hunting Official coming to you from Boulder, Colorado, home of Mork and Bindi. Uh, I wanted to thank the Elk Bros for everything they do. Thanks, guys. Can you do an
2: elk call for me? <laughs> 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 Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Very cool. Awesome,
4: man. So, Very Michael sent me a message to send to the Mafia, and he was wondering if he was eligible for an honorary membership to the Mafia since his great, great-great, great, 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 great grandfather was Joaquin Crespo.
5: Yeah, I bet you, Manano has no idea who that is, but I do, and that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's Manano, fine. who's who's
3: Joaquín Crespo, Manano? Joaquín Crespo, I have no idea.
5: Yeah, he, he was uh, a Venezuelan president uh, twice, so uh, in the uh, in the queres, early years, queres? in the early in the early years of uh, democracy in Venezuela. So pretty cool, man. So awesome, and you saw my response, yo, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) My response is like he is definitely now a member, you know, by decree of the leader of the venezuelan mafia he's now a member of the venezuelan mafia and well, i told him and it's like i will tell manano manano now reports to you so <laughs> just so you know uh you know it that's the way it works he's now the top,
3: Ooh, so that, well, the top. to be part of this crew you have to be venezuelan first he's he's always he's he's got venezuelan blood in him bro yeah, yeah but let me tell you the second him.
1: 1884, 1884, man. Yeah, and, and
3: man. second uh, requirement, you have to be a Venezuelan hunter, which you are not, Luis.
5: What, the- <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about, dude? I'm a Venezuelan, I'm a hunter.
3: So, a- <laughs> you haven't hunted Venezuela. If you want to part, oh, part of our
4: special video shout outs, just get your cell phone, take a 10 to 15 second video of yourself, in landscape view and tell us your name, where you're from, and include a home or whatever line or something special about your hometown.
5: And we're taking memberships for the Venezuelan mafias remember Monano will report to you if you are approved. Yes. It's $1,500 a piece, y'all. Um, Gilbert
1: 1114 at Gmail. PayPal, $1,500 a piece.
6: Appreciate y'all. You, 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 can, you
4: can find room for
6: 1500
4: huh? <laughs> so you can send the video through a message to our Elkrose Instagram or email me, joe at elkbros.com, that you have a clip, and I'll send you a link to my Dropbox, okay? Come on, y'all. Show your face and celebrate your face. So, let's get to those shout outs to those top cities.
1: Absolutely. Man, we're going to start out with a state that's kind of near and dear to my heart, Joe. Let's see how many of my fellow Texans can tell me this week's top listening city. It is known as the Yellow Rose of Texas and named for the Spanish word for yellow. It's also known as Rotor City, USA for its V-22 Osprey hybrid aircraft assembly plant. It also has one of the largest meatpacking plants in all of America. Home to the Big Texan Steak Ranch and its restaurant and its 72-ounce steak. And the Cadillac Ranch, a modern roadside stonehenge made up of 10 half-buried and painted Cadillacs in none other than Amarillo, Texas.
5: Amarillo by morning. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Did you just say Amarillo? amarillo t- uh, i i'm you know i'm singing like they sing it but i can say if i say amarillo, amarillo by morning it's not gonna sound very good <laughs> george Drake might punch him in the face <laughs> that's right. uh, I,
4: good thing, there's no beaches in amarillo that's all Yep.
5: yeah we're very uh thankful for that <laughs> thank so, you so uh Louis. Next up, this coastal city and current home of one of our grinders, Paul Snort, actually lies below sea level. It is known for its distinct music, Creole cuisine, unique dialects, voodoo, and most notably Mardi Gras. <laughs> this historic... The historic heart of the city is the French Quarters, known for its French and Spanish Creole architecture and vibrant nightlife along Bourbon Street. Also home of the Astrodome, the first indoor football stadium. None other than New Orleans, Louisiana.
1: Louisiana.
5: What did I mispronounce, Joe? Come on, man. I saw you laughing there in the background. I just think
4: it's interesting. I just think it's interesting that... You have zero problem with Mardi Gras. It's like I, I, I know, and I'm like, why? Who's did been you been to Mardi
5: Gras, Joe? No. I never have. I never have, man. Yeah, but I never have.
4: It's like on your top wish list, right? So you got you got Mardi Gras, no problem. You got bourbon, no problem. You had trouble with Creole. <laughs> <Keel. laughs> yeah. Creole, So yeah, it just kind of shows a little. I got bit voodoo. Better, yeah. Yeah. Yeah <laughs> <laughs> he did get he did. All, all I'm saying is It shows a little bit About your nature Right there
5: Yeah well You Jesus know it just uh, it's I'm crazy. transparent Like that Joe Not Creole It's Creole <laughs> Creole <laughs> Yeah. Now, to tomatoes, tomatoes 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 <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: up next up wwjgd what's up next, boy this <laughs> competition city has a large irish
4: community and hosts the second largest saint patrick day parade in the new york state located 20 miles north of manhattan cnn money ranked it among the top 100 places to live in the United States. It's funny, but I always hear that. I always hear, we're talking about these cities, man. It's like, it's the top number one city. You know, I just love that. But we're going to get, hey, CNN Money did this. It's the top 100 places to live in the United States. It got its name when small pearls were found in mussels in a nearby muddy brook. Don't be letting the women folk know this. In Pearl River, New York.
5: So, so that means they're either in the hundredth place or maybe, uh, you know, top one. 90 91 it could be number
4: two, bro. So it
5: could be. I don't know. Probably. If it was number two, it would say top ten.
4: Uh, well, uh, all I'm saying is with top a name two. like Pearl River,
5: <laughs> <Yeah>. you
4: know, <laughs> you're a Pearl, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty cool, Pearl River. Okay. Thank you guys. This city derives its name from the calmness of the Saint Croix River near the center of town. Minnesota has one of the largest lumber markets in the world, with this city's lumber company being one of the largest in the country. It is one of the oldest cities in the state, and it is considered the birthplace birthplace of Minnesota. This is going to Stillwater, Minnesota. Still water, water, Minnesota,
5: Minnesota, man. You, you want to hear something funny about Minnesota, brother? I bet you there is not a single Venezuelan in the U S (laughs) that has not had this happen to them. And what it is, is you go, you know, and they, people come and ask you, it's like, where are you from? And then Minnesota? you'd answer, yeah, Venezuela. And I was like, oh, Minnesota. It's like, no, 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 no. Way further south than that, bro. <laughs> so, <miles>. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man, it's super common, believe it or not. It's kind of crazy. It's sort of. That's,
4: that's pretty awesome, Minnesota. Man. Yeah,
5: <laughs> It's a running joke amongst uh, us Venezuelans because we pretty much all have had that happen to us. Oh, yeah. You, and if you guys have never been on the St. Croix River,
1: it is b- absolutely beautiful.
5: Yeah, not Frank Crox, yet
1: St. Croix is beautiful. Yeah. St. <laughs> Croix.
6: <laughs>
3: French. That's, that's French, please. It's Saint it's, Croix, it's, 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 it's bro. Saint Croix. Oh, that's it's, French. That is French. That's really uh, close you, to Spanish.
5: Dude, you can't even pronounce Spanish right, bro. Just let people correct you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, dude, get us out of here, buddy. Okay. The final study. This city is the most densely populated city in Michigan. It is completely surrounded by Detroit and Highland Park. It was named after a French-Canadian soldier who was the first American commander of Fort Shelby. Known in the 20th century for its vibrant center of Polish-American life, it is now considered Michigan's most internationally diverse city. That's Hamtramck, Michigan. Hamtramck, Michigan.
4: Yeah, a lot, of, lot, a lot of those folks up there that uh, are listening, where right now I think they're a little snowed in.
6: So,
1: uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> it's March, bro. It's March and there's snow on the ground in Michigan. Yeah. I I've, I've, I've got friends of mine who live there said they've seen it snow every month of the year.
5: The really? well, same thing in North Dakota, but I oh, saw absolutely. it snow
1: in July. Yes. Oh. Yes. Well, Boone but, uh, Herring told me he's seen it snow in July, August. Yeah. And lots of times in September.
4: Yeah. Well, we we got a text from uh, Scott Baker who said that uh, it's snowing his way right now. He he thought yep. the he thought the mafia boys were doing the snow dance again or something. Cause
5: yeah, <laughs> I did I did send him a little mimmy of you know <laughs> yeah. guy making the dance. <laughs> <laughs>
4: okay, y'all. Tonight's topic, part eight of our Elk Bros preseason series, Elk scouting focus goals and realities. Guys, remember, the goal of this series has been to give you our tips, our perspective on how we do it. Uh, We're not saying that this is the only way to do things. This is not necessarily the right way to do things. (laughs) It's how we do it. So there could be a lot wrong with it. (laughs) To get things rolling in the right direction and to help you have a plan. Uh, For part nine next week. And next week, I'm actually going to be with my granddaughter next week in Albuquerque, so I'm going to have to pack some gear to do this. We're going to give you a look into the gear and setups of the Elk Bros crew, how we roll, what we shoot with, what we wear, our packs, what we carry in them, our favorite layers, rain gear, boots, and what we call with. And we'll even show you how a sock or even a pair of socks is a specialty item in our packs. You just wait to hear about that one. Right. yeah
5: yeah so actually jim was asking me about it and uh i i told him i, I think man i think i thought we did a podcast a while back where we kind of talked about some of our gear especially the stuff we we wear and stuff like that but so to answer jim's question is like there you go jim you got a podcast coming up with more detail on it and it seems yeah. like this is going to be dedicated to that which is going to be pretty cool
4: yeah so actually you know uh i'm, I'm even gonna if you guys if you get the gumption to do it, um, do a, you know, unload your pack out so people can see what you have, do a little shot of a, um what you carry what you got there kind of together we we only take so much we're not uh we're not back country like a lot of people but
1: this is more for us
4: yeah and and we can show people what we do have and why it's important that we have it and maybe even how we place it we'll talk about where we have it to be accessible as well because mm-hmm. i think that's critical man i mean uh there's some things that you like to be able to get to quick without a lot of movement and those types of things and we're really quiet freaks so um yeah, it's gonna be fun. I think it's gonna be fun doing that. Plus it's it's gonna be it's gonna be where when we get to our setups, mine's gonna take like a minute and a half, and uh Gilbert's is probably gonna take about four minutes, you know. Same with Chav and, and Manano and Luis's is gonna take about thirty five minutes, so we might have to have extra time there you know, when he talk about his setup.
1: Right? Set up in, in like what, buddy?
4: Yeah. Uh, yeah
1: what we shoot oh no oh, okay <laughs> yeah take all of 5 minutes
5: yeah. <laughs> I, I thought you were talking about setting up camp because last last two hunts i remember uh manano third day was still asking for people for help to uh could uh, rig his
3: stuff up
4: if you guys don't know luis luis is
3: like one of i mean this guy's he, a, he's a pain i don't want to say <laughs> where but it's a real pain and a continuously <laughs> boring people like twenty four seven and then he's a pain again. Uh, not people, <laughs> just you bro. So <laughs> so Luis is such a type of uh,
4: organized person ultra organized. It freaks me out, Joe. He, it that, freaks me out. <laughs> That he actually puts his tent up in his yard probably three times. Two or three times. And multiple times and places everything. And I don't know if he takes notes. I don't know if he has an Excel sheet. I oh, he
3: does. I think he's creating. He actually course. does.
4: <laughs> so when he gets. I ain't got that out. time in my life. And everything man it goes up and everything has its place like boom 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 i mean like clockwork man oh hey efficiency God. bro efficiency down, man that's straight straight
5: you know it's like uh if I, if I can make my job easier up in the mountains why not and i can make the time up bro pretty busy too but you know that's if, not a burning
3: if, i i i enjoy doing it i mean why you have to spend like you have to be within two minutes. Set up camp. I set up like my, my, my camp.
5: No, the problem. The problem is, it's not like I. When you say I, it's not really I. Then you have to ask Beto for his four wheeler. Then you have to ask Brendan so, for his every, rope. So, then you have to ask my help to get you, you know, with the tarp over no, the. Man, no, so everybody's, everybody's happy. Happy doing yeah, it. I mean, yeah. everybody's helping Manano. Nano. Yeah,
4: we're we're there, bro. We're there for you. We got you. Oh baby. yeah, I know all that. <laughs>
5: Thank, yeah, you. Thank you. Thank you, buddies. Yeah, he needs it he needs it.
2: <laughs> yeah, we need a uh, we need to take a good look at his backpack too, because if you need anything, he's got it. Oh Louise. <laughs> oh, <laughs>
1: yeah, Luis. Hey, Did y'all see it did y'all see lighter, lighter over the years? He'll, I, he'll come and go, Hey man, you carry this with you? And I'm like <laughs> No. Man, it, you know, all of this stuff adds up better. I'm like, Oh why not? <laughs> yeah. Do oh you yeah, carry binoculars? Mm-mm. if they ain't you know 60
5: yards if i can't see 60 yards man i probably ought not to hunt you know so no i haven't had binoculars in a while but uh the the problem was i was always hunting with Monano, so i needed to make sure that we were set up because it, he was always asking me for stuff in the woods so i had to make sure i had all the stuff well, you know for both care. of them
4: not only Let did you he, what would boys lend it have. to him, though, but you would keep notes. notes. Oh,
5: yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the best what? part of it. I have a list of things that he has to borrow from me. I
1: think everybody <laughs> knows the cleaning kit is the number one thing you got to have in your backpack. And That's Beto right. makes them for all our hunters, man.
5: Oh, no. Oh, no.
1: Cleaning kit. <laughs> uh, it's the uh, you know, boys. Yeah. Got to have it.
4: Guys, tonight's topic here it is, man, uh, elk scouting. So many people always wanting to talk about this topic. And we're going to break it down into three categories tonight, y'all. We're going to break it down into we're going to start with goals, then we're going to go to focus, and we're going to go to realities. And each one of these are important in their own way. Um, so let's let's start out with mm-hmm. goals. You know, the whole reason for the scouting, number one goal is what? find elk i gotta find elk man you know
6: uh
4: that's what it's all about the whole reason you're doing all of this is so that you can locate animals and have an opportunity no opportunity that means no shot right so uh number one goal and in doing that another goal is identify hunt locations Where you want to hunt, that's looking for where those elk are going to be and develop multiple plans. Guys, we cannot stress enough for you how important it is to have a plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D. And I'll tell you, sometimes, depending on what happens that year, you might go through all of that and find, well, I needed a plan F, man. So it just kind of depends. Now, we're in a little bit different situation, like... For those guys that are hunting, like I see guys that hunt up in Idaho a lot of times, or especially Colorado. If you're hunting OTC in Colorado, and you're not finding some animals in an area, you can drive twenty miles, fifty miles, a hundred miles to another OTC, right?
6: Mm,
1: yeah.
4: We don't. We don't have that option. We have to hunt within our game mm. management unit. So. Right. Mm. It, it's real critical to understand in in our unit, we have to decipher it in a way so that if the elk aren't here, where could they be? It's mm-hmm. more like that. It's not like, well, there's not elk, because we know there's elk in the country,
1: right? Yeah. yeah, they live there.
4: Yeah. It's like in Colorado, y'all, man, there's, there's that's the largest elk herd in the United States there. There's elk in the country. But, uh you just got to locate them. And if they're not here and and you're seeing fresh sign in that area from this, a few days old, they have to be some place. Where are they? And For us in our game management unit, if we're not locating them here, like, um, was it, I think it was a uh, year before last year, where did we think all the elk were going to be?
5: Well, south.
1: Yeah. In the acorns. Yeah.
4: In the acorns, right?
1: Acorns.
4: Yeah. And I mean... We've never missed on the acorns. Right. Never. We've we've always gone, if there's acorns, hunch out. Yep. And hit them. And we go over there this, this time, and there's not a peep. You know, Nothing. Uh, there was no cows. It was just really, really hard. So we had to go to plan B. And luckily, plan B hit for us, but it was a completely different area within that game unit. So. Mm-hmm. It's real critical that you have multiple plans for that.
1: Yeah, and that area was just ridge running, man. We just we're just banging out ridges every day, trying to intersect them, moving from one bedding area to the to the other.
5: Right. I mean, we had to we had to split and scout as some of the others were hunting. Yeah. In order to, um, well, and to kind and of divide
1: I, and conquer. Joe and I had an
5: idea how that was
1: working out last year because we were there a couple of days early, you know, so we kind of knew where some elk were and elk were moving through and stuff like that. So,
4: well, and see, that's the thing about the, your scouting guys on your goals, because you are trying to, when you do any kind of scouting, whether it's e-scouting, whether it's boots on the ground scouting, you're trying to get an idea, uh, identify elk attractions, travel systems, for both elk and hunters. Um, You know, you can even kind of get an idea of general wind direction. I mean, on base Mm -hmm. map, you can go on base map on on the area that you're going to hunt and uh, you can, there's a little smoke
5: yeah, yeah yeah you have to set up you have to set up some sort of a blind setup or something like that in the system, and then it will actually give you uh, the smoke based on that point that you select on the map
4: yeah mm-hmm. absolutely, so you could actually start checking an area and get mm-hmm. an idea what the general wind direction is on that area that 's happening yeah. over there mm-hmm. right
5: now Joe, a question for you man and i know we 've kind of touched on this uh, in a podcast before, but With regards to scouting, though, I mean, this is scouting, right? I mean, scouting is going to help you develop these plans, the A, B, C, D, E uh, plans. Uh, How, with regards to how much, how early prior to your hunt is the, the actually boots on the ground boots on the ground effective meaning because it i mean if you if you go scouting here in the middle of summer and then you wait a few months until you actually go your hunt the scouting may have not been as effective meaning you know elk may have moved right
4: i i disagree because i i think it depends on what you're looking for okay so in in other words um and that's one thing that we're going to it when we go down and when we talk about realities and we're gonna we'll be all over the board on some of this stuff guys so we got to make sure we kind of hit it but in what you're saying is when one thing about people's realities is they get there and it's kind of like sticker shock on a car man it's like, you, you're like man i want to buy that car till you go look at the sticker and it's like oh <laughs> my lord you know but yeah the same thing is i want to go hunt this area until you get there and it's like oh my lord you know look at how big this is and (laughs) and i don't care what time of year you go i think one of the most important things to know about an area is its features it's, yeah, it's road topography. system um,
5: gotcha gotcha
4: what it looks like what the terrain is like so mm-hmm. that you get rid of that sticker shock man so that mm-hmm. you got uh, you've got a feel so that now when you go back even if you did this at the beginning of the summer and then you go back and you start e-scouting now <laughs> you have a whole different relationship in your head yeah
5: yeah i agree that makes sense
4: yeah absolutely and the other thing is I, depending on the area and how much animals migrate, uh, especially because you're not, now one thing you're not going to look for, Luis, is you're not going to look for bulls, man. I mean, you you could care less. Concentrate
5: on
0: the cows.
4: Yeah, find find those areas that are good feed areas for cows, for the herd, um, because... You Know, Chad, we've gone through in the summertime and we've hit large herds of cows,
2: right? Have we been able to find them later in the same areas? Um, sometimes, but not in as large a groups, you know, they split up, so Absolute. you know, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so, I think it's, it's real important, uh, to get boots on the ground, you know, early during the hunt if you're if you if you have a an opening day that's kind of uh, barren, so to speak, you can split your group up and, and check different areas and you know, give, give you an idea of what where they're actually at. And it also helps to know if there's water where, you know, the EMAP may show water, but there may not be any water when you get there. And also the acorn crop, you know, what's happening as far as that acorn, goes. Acorn,
4: piñon, I mean, you did a whole thing on like, mushrooms, different things, there's different food sources, right? But exactly what Chav is saying is 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 generally where there's good grass, there's good moisture. Huh? And Mm. when when you do your scouting in the summer, when you do your e scouting, when you have all this done, well when you show up on hunt day Now your job is, or a day before hunt day, now your job is to reconfirm what you saw before. I mean, if you go and all of a sudden those water holes that were there are dry, then that changes some things. And you better have plan A, B, C, D in case that happens. Because if it goes dry, you're going to know, well, where are the best watering areas there because again that's still going to have the best grass in those areas and the, the things that uh that they're going to need to feed so th- it's a great question Luis. like what you're asking about can you be there too early and i say for mm. those people that have never been there
1: right you know, right it, it be too early
4: yeah. yeah it's never too early man so you know,
5: i i can see how that makes sense yeah for sure
4: And so in talking about the goals, we talked about being able to identify elk attractions. So remember uh, elk attractions, travel systems for both elk and hunters. That's critical to know, Mm y'all. And uh, fence lines, multiple camp locations, if possible, if you think you're going to need those. Because us as a group, so that everybody out there knows, Our group has never done a backpack or backcountry pack-in on our back to hunt. That's not our style. Now, we do utilize a base camp, but we are highly mobile as far as getting to different areas if we need to. So uh, we can be in a different plan within 45 minutes to an hour.
6: Yeah.
2: Mm.
4: So... Uh, that
2: kind of worked for us. Yeah, it's important knowing the road systems that are out there. Yeah, it's... it's Shortcuts and everything else. It's it's real critical, man.
4: Um, you got to have a way to get to different areas, and the sooner you can get there, and if you just know those roads, and that way you also know where pressure's coming from from other hunters, how they're driving in, where they're coming from, mm-hmm.
1: right? Um, yeah, because it'll affect the elk movement.
4: Yeah, mm-hmm. yep, and... A goal for me when I'm scouting, one of the goals is to, I don't have to see cow elk. I don't have to see them, but I love finding the sign of them. Multiple tracks, dropping, you mm -hmm. know. I mean, I'll drive a dirt road Mm -hmm. uh, and try to find areas where they're crossing through. And then mark where they're at, where they were crossing from, where they were going to at that time of day. So um, those things start to build your evidence up. All right? Because, look, I think the reason Luis brought that point up is where you find bulls in
1: the summer.
5: They won't be there. (laughs) They won't be there. (laughs) They're they're not going
4: to be there in September. Uh Uh-uh.
1: No, Uh -uh. No, you got to find the cows, Joe. I mean, that's (laughs) inevitable. You know, they're getting more towards their breeding sequences. Food, water, cows. I mean, and not necessarily that. that No, it's.
4: Well, yeah. It depends. Er, Early on, it might be that food and water, right? Yeah. And then think about those cows. But man, once they hit that that rut staging to that rut, then it's like breed breed it's
1: all cows (laughs) for the bulls bulls. and and, you know we're we're speaking to bull hunters right now really because you know there's a lot of us out there i'm gonna tell you right now cow gets in my way she's in bad trouble because i'm an elk eater right uh i can't eat those antlers uh but because for me, I mean, look, if I, I got an opportunity to harvest a bull, well, I'm, I'm going to do that. But I'm an equal opportunity hunter. So, um, <laughs> cow gets in the way, she's
3: getting the missile. No discrimination.
1: No. And, and no what about, what
4: do you think goals for rifle hunters? You know, some of their goals for scouting.
1: I mean, it's really, I think for them, really important to find the parks. Uh, glassing spots, those vantage, those vantage points box. above those parks, yeah. that, that high altitude, to, yeah. yeah, that they can spend time glassing. You know, I mean, they're they're, you know, they're going to get them in three or four hundred yards, right? Whereas we want to get into thirty or forty yards. So it's a it's a bit different, but uh, but the same. Uh, it's relatively the same. They need to be in vantage points where they can see these travel corridors. And these parks where these bulls and cows are going to want to free. So,
4: so here's the thing though, that I'll tell you that I, 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 don't, I, I'm not able to say if it happens everywhere, but this is something that I've noticed as a guide and getting to see a full year in an area. Right. Mm-hmm. So there are like that before that pre, that August time in uh, that early September, before the bulls have started moving up to the cows before they've made that move. Those areas where I find the bulls in there a lot of times are where I find those bulls in December in this country. Gotcha. Yep. So they kind of they kind of have a haunt and they'll move and they'll join those cows and then they'll kind of come back to that haunt and that could happen high wise where they're going to a high Mm -hmm. area where they where you find them in the high area and they come down to cows and they go back and i've seen it down in the lower canyon country where i find Mm -hmm. them lower along the bottoms of the canyon they'll go up uh and then they'll then we'll find them again later in the season in that same area Mm -hmm. so I kind of find a relationship because we don't have this kind of winters like Wyoming. Um, yeah. And, and well, those high. Snow mountains.
1: will drive them down from the upper the yeah.
4: Upper country. Yeah. Yeah, and and snow. Mm-hmm. If we have snow, it's going to have that effect. But yeah. I'm just saying, as a rifle hunter, if if I'm locating animals during that that summertime in some places, mm-hmm. I might keep that just as a reminder. For later on in that in those late seasons as well and and again it's not a guarantee it's just something that i've noticed there And i don't know how many other people have noticed that too so but like you said man places to be able to glass from um, you know knowing again same thing with your road systems because when you're doing rifle hunting i really think being mobile and doing a lot of glassing from different places and you know using that vehicle to get from one place to the other where you can go out and look and look and look i think really pays off for a rifle hunter you know uh, you got to cover country you got to look for those guys man all right so let's talk about focuses i mean we talked about goals so let's talk about focuses and we're going to split it up between two things we're going to start out with e scouting and then we're going to go to on the ground scouting. Okay. Sounds good. So, when you're e scouting, and guys, when we talk about e scouting, I'm just going to tell you the tools that I like to use. Now, we use base map application, right? We use base map for when we're out there. Mm, but you I, if you're going to want to get a better feel for the area that you're in now Base Map has a little 3d feature but on that little small screen that's difficult now you can go to the desktop version and look at it but in the desktop version they don't have the 3d view in that now i'm not sure if onyx does or not Uh, they might have that but i have not seen any 3d view i'd go probably the second best 3d view i've seen is google earth pro Mm-hmm. Google Earth yes. Pro, you can look at things. Um, it's
3: and, really cool.
4: Yeah. But let me tell you what looks even better than Google Earth Pro, and that is Google Earth web version. And if you, for some reason, because you fly differently in the two. And what I mean by fly is, is when you're in Google Earth Pro, you have to kind of drop down elevations. You can turn how you're looking up. You can spin it so you're looking around. It's really, really cool for that. You can even fly through areas if you want to do that. But yeah. when when you go to the web app, when you go to that, it stays at a certain angle at the top. So it's not like if I dropped into a canyon in that, I'm not able to look up like I can with, sure
1: look down mm-hmm. yeah
4: with Google Earth Pro but let me tell you the lower you get towards the ground um, mm-hmm. the the more Google Earth Pro starts to flatten out but man I tell you what some of the imagery that you can get on on Google Earth is is to me the best to get yourself ready for what it's actually gonna look like
1: all right oh yeah yeah I mean you know I'm looking on base base match right now I, I, and it's the detail is crazy good uh-huh. on the 3d I mean I, I my neighbor's backyard, I mean, I can see exactly what he's got in there, you know. Uh, I, I'm not lying man. I mean, I mean look. But good I mean, thing my, your neighbor
4: doesn't listen, man.
1: He, he I mean, he's got him a pool back there, the whole, nine, I mean, the whole nine yards, dude. He's got his stuff all parked in the back. Yeah. I mean. You,
4: you've got the shadows going on there, right? you yeah. got all that kind of stuff. Now, when, when – and look, guys – I don't care if you're a resident or non-resident. You should be e-scouting um, whether you're going to have boots on the ground or not. I mean, it, I find so much more about an area e-scouting than just having my feet on the ground because I'll cover an area and I see and I'm inside the trees when I'm there. But then when you start looking at it from e-scouting, it's like, whoa, man, you find this bench here you know you find this saddle there you find Mm -hmm. that that area that you thought was far away is only a few hundred yards over a ridge if you go this direction right Right. so i think e-scouting is huge for everybody what type of things would you guys mark or identify when you're e-scouting
1: definitely ponds you know Mm -hmm. definitely water sources uh if there is a spring marked Parks. on and look i mean that there's a whole bunch of that stuff marked on base maps right they will mark springs and they'll mm-hmm. mark ponds and stuff like that I, I mean water's crucial for us especially in the you know the early season joe and then definitely nice parks that are in elevation areas you know that those elk are going to want to move to from the bottom to the top uh and if they have a real nice aspen park in there um man those are like unbelievable areas you know in uh, more i would definitely try to find like bedroom areas versus travel corridors uh to and from feeding areas um I I may be jumping ahead of myself here, but for me, the e-scouting part is understanding where the elk are going to be at in the mornings and in the evenings, where they're going to be coming up and down with the thermals, uh, understanding your topography, where their food is, uh, and where their water is. And look, they will travel a long way to go get water. I mean, look at what those elk were doing this past year, Joe, before we got to snow. They were going a long way to go to water. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, a long way, miles, not like 100 yards, a mile, you know. So uh, you guys that find it, I I feel like if you can find the food sources and the cows and the water, those are really big things. So, okay, Gilbert, how are you finding food sources when you're
4: e-scouting?
1: Well, you can really see it on the satellite you can see those lush parks that are really green and and plush you know uh most of these satellite images you can actually tell what time of the year they were taken yeah. well you uh, can if you I usually
3: what do I usually way. do is I go back years right. and I I, and I see the pattern uh yes. through the years so that's right. going to give me a good a good sense of where the green pastures and stuff yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah. And, and you know base map marks burns too you know and if you're in a burn area or something like that you know it don't have to be long after that burn area joe and you know as well as i do they get a little precipitation in there and boom all those big forbs start popping out that big heavy green grass starts growing Absolutely. and man here you go you got a whole herd of cows wanting to be in there all the time eating that good grass you yeah. know so and,
4: yeah, um, well, like you said a
1: yeah, lot of forbs in there yeah a yeah, lot
2: yeah, I was going to say uh, uh, when you're looking at some of the parks and maybe even the the drainages, and you and you can tell where the topo lines are. If it flattens out and you see some discolored spots on the green, that could be a wallow. You know, it's something tricky. something to look for. Yep.
4: And and I was going to say, like you, Chav, is that especially where you have a drainage that starts to funnel out into something kind of a little bit flatter like Chad's talking about and you look at it on the satellite and right where that funnels out you see a little green patch in there that shows that you've got moisture in that area anytime you can go and you've got a little bit more brown grass, and then you see a green little patch that's in there. You either have a seep, a spring, or an area that's staying wetter longer. So that kind of tells you a little bit of something about that. And you know, uh, you talked about an what I call an elk attraction, Gilbert. You said burns, right? Yeah. Okay. Um you know if you're in Oregon it could be uh it could be where where they're timbering man because it's so yeah. thick any break in the canopy mm-hmm. other elk attractions that that uh that I want to talk about are like funnels saddles finger ridges from dark mm-hmm. timber to grass areas that have the big four see here's the problem a lot of people look at a map of an area and they're like wow i mean the elk could be anywhere really the elk are going to be in certain types of areas after you've done this long enough you can look at an area and go man there's going to be elk in this area because it has this this and this you know if it has the big four if it has benches bedding areas uh food source good grass water okay if it has those big four man it it's it eliminates a lot of that area that doesn't have that. I'm gonna. Yeah. Or what I'm gonna do is uh, I mentioned some of these, and I'm gonna. I'm going to show you some of these things that uh, that I'm talking about. I'm gonna share my screen, and you guys see this right here. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, it, when you There's look at this. System. You've got, this is what we call a saddle. Now this is,
6: Absolutely.
4: and a lot of guys would think that this is kind of a reverse saddle. And Here's what I mean by that. If you look at this saddle, it's an area that goes between from one area to another, ridge. and you can see how that's going across, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that will go in between two other large peaks or large areas or ridge. large ridges that would create that saddle. Or you could have a saddle going over the top of a ridge That's a low spot in there from one area to the other, right?
1: Much like the ridge on your right there. It's got a low spot that goes right through the top of it.
4: Yeah. Yeah. There's one on the right. There's one on the left right there as well. But this is interesting because a lot of saddles that you'll see, will be hills that have got a lot of trees, and then in the bottom of it, you'll kind of see like a park or or something that kind of goes over from one side to the other, right? Mm -hmm. The reason I really love this saddle is it would really be a good travel corridor because the critters can stay in the trees the whole time one side to the other,
3: right? Well, Joe, you love circles. (laughs)
1: <laughs> <That's> not- <laughs> I'll see. He's got a little semicircle going yeah. right there already. See, <laughs> yeah. see. well, I, I'm not full yet, but it's it, getting close.
4: When I looked at this on the map, this area where the bottom of this arrow's coming from is just—it's just a beautiful flattens out down in there, and then you look at all this north face that's next to this arrow where they can come up and actually bed up in here and then even end up back down in this bowl on the yeah. backside there it's just right. really a solid looking area as far as i'm concerned there right mm-hmm. uh, it's just something that and and look if i'm a rifle hunter in this oh, country man. you know i mean uh, i've got some peaks here that i can be oh, on walking these it. ridges yeah. doing some calling you yeah. know uh mm-hmm. Is a lot, of, a lot of ability in this. So that's what I mean by a saddle. And also remember what I said. Like you're seeing the clearing on the side. That could be all treed with the clearing happening in the middle going across. Okay. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. a lot of times elk will go up into a saddle and feed in that as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, and
2: that middle, that middle hill would seem to be ideal because, you know, where your arrow starts at the bottom. Right. It could also fork to your left because mm-hmm. that seems to be another little uh, smaller saddle right there, too. Oh,
4: absolutely. That was the one I said, yeah, going off to the left there. You know, now that we talk about it, I you just look at something like this with a different eye. You just see things a little bit different
1: when you do Yeah, and you can tell some of that. You, you can tell that the forest is more uniformed in that forest. There's Most of it looks like pondo or cedar, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's not any there's not any aspens maybe some over here on this right hand side that right
4: hand side that little bowl
1: right in there that that could have some aspens yeah that looks to be right in there. and that is a transition Mm -hmm. that those jokers like to be in
4: well in fact now that you mentioned that gilbert another look there is a what i call a natural funnel and i was going to talk about the funnels but if you look at right here in this, yeah, on that bottom absolutely. part of where you're seeing those Aspen. Yeah. Just that trail of trees going up into those Aspens and then into that little bowl up there on the top. That's just a real nice funnel up into that country right there.
1: So You know what our listeners may not know about Aspens, it's the largest living organism in the world, in in Aspen Grove. And it has to have a lot of water to actually survive. So those areas that grow aspen are going to have some springs around them and stuff like that because they got to have that water.
4: They are great places to find wallows, man. Oh man, some of those. And you find a a wallow in an aspen grove, man. You're in high cotton there. So let me. uh, Up. I'm going to show you some of the other features that I talked about in this picture here, and one of the things i talked about is a funnel and if you look where i have the yellow f there and this is in the bottom of a drainage but if you notice it's right at the head of where all this will funnel up coming through all these multiple parks in the bottom there where if you you take a look at this topography if there's going to be water anywhere in here it's going to be in the bottom of that drainage right there
1: well, there is water. You see it down there yeah. on the left. It, you
4: know? There's going to be there's water in there. in there. Yeah. Right?
1: It looks like there's water back behind your cursor down, straight down. There mm-hmm. could be water in that part in the very – keep so going this... down. No, that's water, but I'm talking over, keep going over, keep going over. The right. Over, another way. The right? No, right? Right here at the – like keep going straight to the bottom from there.
4: Oh, Okay. Right in here.
1: You see, yeah, to the right, yeah. right, right back yeah. there, right there. That yeah. that little part looks like it could have some water in it,
4: especially because it looks like it's a depression in there, right?
1: Exactly. And, yeah. and like look, a crater.
4: Look at look at how this looks three dimensional. This is actually from Google Earth uh, that uh, that I pulled Wet this version. photo from.
5: Yeah, man, I've been I've been mesmerized looking at the Google uh, web version right now. and Just looking at it's just the the. The detail on on the topography is incredible.
4: It is it is unbelievable. It is an mm. incredible tool. And here's the here's the thing, guys. Get this: in the pro version, uh, if you And the pro version has three D on it, I just think the contrast isn't as good as the web version. But it's the same pretty much the same three D if you get the right angle. But in that you can put place marks. You can uh, you can put uh, trails how you want to travel. You can do all of that and export it, and then import it into Base Map or Onyx. So um, you're going to end up making a file that you would be able to use for that. Okay, you're just going to export that file, and it's a KMZ or a KML file. And you can mm. export it and then import it into the other one. Now, but here,
1: you've sent it to us to do that. Yes. Put it absolutely. in Put it in our base map or, or our Onyx, either one we were using at the
4: time. So let me tell you here's another little trick. You can go to TopRut, and TopRut to be able to download these maps before at one time was free. I think now an annual subscription is like 19 bucks, and that covers every DAG I'm stating. TopRut's good for a lot more. <clears throat> than just what I'm going to talk about here. But in TopRut, and and they don't sponsor us, y'all. We use it. I use it. Right. And I can actually download a KMZ file and of all of the topo for an area in our state, import it into Google Earth Pro, And then I can turn that layer so I can turn it on and off and take down the opacity. And now I can see the topo on top of the 3D view. So now I'm able to look a little bit better on some of those things that, and really get a good look at where the low points are, possible benches and things like that, okay? So that's just just something, a little trick for you there. But you can, you can mark up on Google Earth Pro, and you can export that file. So that's important. And, look, whenever you put files in on Map, and I imagine Onyx the same way, um, when you do that, it automatically syncs with your app on your phone. Yeah. So whatever you put on the desktop app is going to sync with your app on your phone. That's cool. Okay. Now, uh, so when you look at this, when guys, and, and some of you all are just listening, so a funnel, when you talk about a funnel, it's going to do just that. It's going to be a natural area that animals can move through, and it will tighten them up because either the sides are getting higher Either the, um, the trail is getting smaller. It's just a natural funnel that when they're going to go from one area to the other, it just kind of takes them. Those are great areas to be ready to get moved to, especially between where they're at the bottom and where they're wanting to go to a destination because they go through those funnels. They go through those saddles. OK, they mm-hmm. utilize things like that. They utilize finger ridges as well, um, mm-hmm. and which I'm going to talk about here in a minute. But here's this funnel. You can look at all the parks down here, man, that's got water. And if there are any critters that are moving up there, you can see how they're going to be funneled this way. Now, when you see my little five part fingers going on there, the reason I put that there is, for me, for my eye, after hunting elk all these year years, that was a natural attraction for me. And what it is is I actually have one, two... Uh, and part of another drainage that are kind of, well, in the bottom part of it, the drainages are all kind of coming in here. You've got the saddle over the top joining it. You've got finger ridges coming down to it. So this is a hot little area right there because of how it's the beginning of so many different choices for an animal
5: or mm-hmm. when they're
4: coming down. It, it naturally brings, I mean, if there's sure. animals coming down In a
5: junction, a there big it. junction, it's a junction. Yeah, and they can
1: they can go three different ways to yep. to get whether the where the wind's setting up for them. Everything else, they don't have to be necessary creatures of habit and just use one way. They can use three different ways to get where they want to go.
4: So this bee right here and this bee right here, what do you think the bee represents?
1: Bedding area. Yeah,
4: and and look at this one. Uh, you can see it Lake. a little bit from the darkness but this one goes up and it benches out inside mm-hmm. here now this is a yeah. large bench yeah. in here uh, and a lot of those on the sides will have a lot of mini benches that we're not able to see now unless sure. we have real good topo's to be able mm-hmm. to see where those mm-hmm. types of benches are it's hard to see those with the topo's that you're going to get on base map or on x because they're just not going to give you the close to close detail yeah. Right. So,
1: do you have you that say... black and white, Joe? Is that what the is that what the uh, coloration is, or is it just dark? I, I'm, I'm not sure. I follow you. So the picture actually looks to me almost
2: black and white.
4: Oh, like it's I too just kind of grayish like yeah, that. Yeah, kind of grayish. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm not. I'm you know, not like... sure what caused that, but yeah.
2: Yeah. What I was going to say is, if you're if this is a completely unknown area other than the East scouting. Uh, would it be also important to take a hard copy topo map to show you the contour lines where you can actually tell if both how steep both bees are and if there is a bench there
4: i would i would absolutely um overlay have a topo i like topos but i i I read topos well some people have a hard time with them but Mm -hmm. one thing that you can do is in base map it has a satellite right. topo that's a hybrid mm-hmm. that you can see both the satellite on it and the topo lines. That's and right. I think it's dynamite. Absolutely. Yeah, I, mean, I think it helps a bunch, man. But these, these if you take a look at these types of areas, in fact, I show this bedding here, but look on the, on the wow. other side of this ridge right here. All of this going in, any place that has... Thick, dark timber. Over yeah. here where I have this other bee, um, over here is going to have a lot of that. All this down here is going to be timber where, and it looks like it's not very far from the bottom to here, but you get down in this area, and yeah. it, it's a lot farther up on this side of this ridge than you think it is.
3: Mm. Yeah, you, you, you kill a nail right there, You have, you're going to have to eat it. Because he not do
4: there.
1: Might as well take a. Look. Not, if,
3: not if you got the mafia
1: with you. you yeah. Know.
4: Now, now over here, and here's what's so cool about this. Over here, we've got we've got one of those ponds that are happening right in here. One of those mm-hmm. like glacier ponds that are happening. This is a dynamite feature right here, especially yes. the way it has this more flat area that's coming and then drops oh, down into dear. another creek here. I I really love the look at this place. And I just went and grabbed it on a map and I was like, how would I decipher this? Now, here's something I want to show you that is a little bit different than most people will talk about. If you look where I have this rock, the RS right here, where it's doing this, that's what I call reverse saddle. Mm -hmm. Okay. in other words, it when critters are going from one side of a ridge to go up on the other side, a lot of times they like to go areas of least resistance. So you can see, you can barely see it, but there's clearing that comes down from this side mm-hmm. to the mm-hmm. bottom and comes up on the other side, oh, yeah. Yeah, right? I see. It. And this is a perfect spot in this area. It's what I call a reverse saddle, okay? Uh, they'll come down, they'll get in this, and. Chav, there's an area um, where we hunt, one of our areas that we hunt, that we have seen animals drop down into an area, going to a pond. It's just like right when we're going up into our area off to the left-hand side, there's a pond down in there. And we've seen them use things just like this to go down and up they'll funnel from the sides of the hills and they'll hit those clearings and then that's the the area of least resistance okay. right, mm-hmm. that, that they'll take down and this is very very similar especially if these critters are coming across and they're not wanting to drop into this but they're coming over to this water here they can end mm-hmm. up on this side feeding all the way over to it so It just kind of shows you the dynamics of an area that are happening. Grinders tuning in, thank you for listening to the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Podcast. Our goal is to share our knowledge and help you flatten that learning curve so that you too can have some of the very same incredible experiences that have given all of us here at elk bros a lifetime of memories if you like what you hear or see you can get all of this information plus so much more from our base camp elk hunting training camp the first in a series of online courses from our Blue Collar Elk Academy. Our Base Camp Training Camp allows me to use my coaching style and share almost 40 years of elk hunting experiences successfully hunting elk on public lands as well as over 20 years guiding hunters of all ages and experience levels. This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure using success-based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets. Our camp will prepare you specifically from that final moment most in your control, those final minutes or seconds the elk is in front of you, backwards through each step and level, allowing you to see, visualize, understand, and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead, the next step, the next thought process, the next success. Because y'all, you've already been there you know what it looks like. By tapping my 30 years of teaching and coaching experience, our camps are developed considering multiple learning modes with text, visuals, audio, as well as video. And Basecamp will benefit those new to elk hunting all the way to the 10 to 15 year vet. So if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year, invest in the most important piece of equipment there is, you and your elk hunting knowledge you can find the blue collar elk hunting academy and the base camp training camp at elkbros.com that's e-l-k-b-r-o-s.com keep dreaming of the screaming believing and achieving and most of all keep grinding Here's another nice little area like that reverse saddle, kind of over in here. Let's say that you have critters that are up on this side that decide they want to come down in the bottom. I guarantee you they'll hit this right here, and they'll sure. come through it and going down into the bottom. Okay? So, that's just something for you to consider. Now, let's talk about
1: this. Hey, one thing I wanted to mention, Joe, when you're looking at these you can actually see the shadows from the trees in the parks so you know that when you see that shadow that's from uh, the sun behind the tree so Mm -hmm. you know that's western sun hitting that point in the park there and that's to your west right so everything that's leading up in front of that is to your north so, when you guys are doing your e-scouting, when you're seeing shadows, that's how you can tell which way your shadows are moving, right?
4: You can even Easy. change the, the, on on Google Earth, the web version, you can even right. change the sunlight for the different times of day to see what that yeah. looks like, which that's is cool. pretty doggone cool. Now, on this okay. next one, here's what I wanted to show you as well, because I was talking about... Um, transition areas and finger ridges. And I'm gonna show you some things that I have found that elk really, really like to do. Now, there's not many people that I've talked about this with, but this is what I see all the time. I did it in different colors, so hopefully you can see it. But anytime like you notice over here on this side, we have a, a bunch of parks happening over here and the bottom underneath is kind of like a bowl from the steep sides. We have in this, this is like where you see the red, this is a finger ridge right here. Mm -hmm. Where you see the red over here, this is a finger ridge coming down like that. Mm -hmm. Well, you have a park system in here, and it's hard to see it, but you've got little clearings going to this one, it keeps going to this one, and you have parks that are hitting, going up over a saddle to the right as you're going off of the photograph anytime you have systems like this they the elk find travel routes right between them and this is a beautiful little treed saddle that they can hit this ridge and drop down into here or they'll keep going or even come up and go back up into bed this way anytime you have these little park systems Elk will connect them. They could be in this one, and you would never know it if you're over here.
5: Okay. Could even, they could even, instead of actually going straight to the east there on that picture, go straight north, north from that junction and bet in that and that dark timber there between the two red lines in the north.
4: So that's why I'm showing this to you because this is definitely, you identified it, this is definitely a bedding area right in here, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a bedding area with all kinds of feed areas and (laughs) and water happening because this is one of those examples. If I could zoom into it, you can see a discoloration in the middle of this park right here. Do you see it? That's water. That's water happening in there. Right Creek, yeah. there, you, you can see a little bit of green happening in this one right here. Yep, so elk love they love to travel finger, finger ridges, things are shorter on the top of a hill than they are at the bottom of a hill. Mm. So they love to travel these ridges like this and then use that to get to an area and drop off into a location. That's why I show you, again, here's a great bedding area up in here. Mm -hmm. And there's the finger ridge that would become a travel route for elk as they're coming down.
1: Lead it right into that park.
4: Absolutely, because before the thermals are doing their thing, they're going to be high up on the ridge to travel. Now, they're going to bed down here, but they're going to angle up and they're going to hit that ridge and they're going to come on that ridge, so now they've got good scent of anything that's happening. They got good hearing for what's happening in the bottom, and then they can drop off on their trails to wherever they wanna go. They utilize the tops of these ridges quite a bit. They will also, once they're in the bottoms, they will go from one area to another especially during the rut, man, Yes. especially during the rut. So, if I, if I found a group of elk right in here in early morning, yep. those elk are gonna move up. They're either gonna come up this way and then hit some up here and possibly keep going this way and hit some of these bedding areas, or they might hit right in there and go up on this ridge. Probably have other elk joining them from this side that are over in here and they're going to move right up in into a bedding area okay now does that mean that they couldn't bed down right here heck no it doesn't most definitely if they're comfortable they could bed down right there it just depends on how much they're especially during the rut now if it's if it's not the rut if it's a rifle hunt those critters could go from the park right in here and they could come up here 200 yards and bed down yeah and then Mm -hmm. come back out to feed and water they don't They don't have to go far. But when they're during that rut, all that breeding, they're getting pushed more. They're looking for cows more. They're traveling more. They're getting worn out, man. Remember, these critters will lose 200 pounds of body weight, man, during the rut. So uh, they're pretty doggone active. So that's what I wanted you to see as far as how parks can interconnect into different and this is a this would be a saddle to do that and how they would utilize finger ridges
1: Yes I where think. you'd want to be first thing in the morning man because they're coming to you you yep. know I mean and, the, you know, yeah. be mindful of your of your uh, wind wind and the thermals but man if you can beat them up there to that that transition you're gonna have your pick of the litter
4: so get this so let's say that we have a morning thermal falling Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, depending on what the wind's doing, you'll be able to tell. But if that's falling now, even if we had a breeze coming this way and we mm-hmm. had thermals falling, remember we talked before in our last podcast. Mm-hmm. If there was a breeze coming like this,
1: mm-hmm.
4: right, and you have thermals yes. falling, then that scent is going to end up getting
1: bent, right? Yeah, okay. man. So it's going to move over to the east.
4: Yeah. It, if if, if I have if I have elk down in this bottom right here. Yep. And I know those elk are going to be moving up. I can ridge them right exactly. here. I yep. ridge them right here. I let them do their thing because I know they're going to come up. And I don't get in a position where they're going to be able to get me from the thermals by being up and in right. front of them. I'm not trailing right. right behind them necessarily having to chase them. It's shorter up on top. So they're going to come to me they're going Mm -hmm. to come up and if they decide that they're going to go this direction right here well the thermals are down so now i'm jumping ship i'm coming Mm -hmm. here i'm getting up on top of the ridge and now i'm going to ridge them on this side and try to end up angling towards where they're going so that i can catch them closer to the destination that they want to be at yeah it's a lot a lot faster on a ridge line than I can down in the bottom.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, because down in that bottom ain't nothing but blown stuff down and
5: <sighs> lots of big, I mean, and big you, old rocks. And you got to go, go back up.
4: Yeah, and and the thing is you can <laughs> always drop on that side of the ridge, you yeah. know, into the trees and just stay, ab- you know, just above them uh, and letting them come to you, you know. Mm-hmm. So okay. it, it's just It's a way to think about that. Now, if I had elk over in this park right here, and I'm on this ridge, and I think they're gonna, and they sound like they're starting to go away, well, now I gotta change, man. I gotta drop off. I gotta go, and then I've gotta get above uh,
6: above.
4: where they're at, but not getting to the point where I'm above them so that my thermal's dropping down to them. Again, if I have that breeze coming this way, though, if I'm coming from my left to my right, and those thermals are like that, I've got a lot more because that wind is going to keep pushing that scent towards me, okay? So you just got to take all of that stuff in when you're doing that. But when you're e-scouting, identifying those types of things and where those animals are going to be. In here, in here, traveling up through here, traveling up to their bedding areas, okay? Definitely. From here to up here, this this is a transition corridor right here. Okay. You bet. All right. So that kind of explains that a little bit um, as far as elk attractions. I'm trying to see if I missed any. We didn't have, um, I talked about the finger ridges, transition areas, travel corridors, uh, calling and glassing points. You know, yeah. uh, we talked about that on the other ones. And, oh, here's the huge one, man, that you want to do in your e-scouting is you want to look for great elk country that everybody drives by. Yeah. There's going to be people that everybody's going to hit. you see it in a lot of places where they're going to go to a trailhead. That's where they're going. Everybody's going to drive to the trailhead to get as high as they can, and then they're going to go out, right? Yeah. They probably pass seven miles. Of incredible elk country.
1: Yeah. Not a mile off the road. Yeah, and you got to know that they're those other hunters are pushing them to you anyway.
4: Absolutely. So one thing that you could do, and I've seen other guys talk about this as well, is you can actually because on the base map app uh, on the desktop, I'm sorry, base map desktop, you can actually draw circles of a certain diameter half mile, mile. So, you could go to an area on a road or different places and you can make those circles from where the road systems are and be able to see those areas in between that they would have trouble even hearing an animal or seeing an animal. (laughs) It just kind of gives you an idea, right?
1: Yeah, I was thinking back to where you killed your bull this year, Joe. Heck, you weren't three quarters of a mile from camp. No, but where we where we started was six miles east of
6: there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we ran that herd down, and you killed that bull three quarters of a mile north of camp.
4: The elk crossed a road. I was—you can see it in the video, man. I'm crossing a road to chase the elk. Chav, right. Uh, Chav and I, three years ago. Chav, how far was my elk and your elk from the road?
2: Oh, right on it. (laughs) Pretty close. One was right on it. The other one was, what, five steps off of it? So we could drive right up to them.
1: We started ridge hopping that morning about six miles from camp. And I'm telling you, the boys were like... After we got all split up, the boys were like, Brendan and Manano were like, man, aren't we close to camp? I'm like, we're right above camp, man. I said, we're, I ain't walking six miles back to the vehicle. <laughs> we're going to go drop straight off of here and go right into camp. I said, and Joe will be here directly. I said, what we didn't know is we walked within 150 yards of Joe's kill and didn't know he was up there. You yeah. Know, w- walked right by him, you know, and Joe was, you were, like I said, what, three quarters of a mile from camp at the yeah. most as the crow flies
4: yeah and and we
1: started way on the other side oh my like I said we were six miles east of there yeah you
4: know yeah so let's talk about on the ground uh scouting yeah and and we already talked a little bit about some of this mm-hmm. but really whether it's whether it's that summer period Luis was talking about or it's two days before your hunt or it's on the hunt and you guys have identified areas and so you've split up look if you go and on your first day of elk hunting and you're up there and you've got a group of three guys or four guys and you guys are all staying together you're hurting yourself yeah you're killing one another yeah Yeah, because the best thing for you guys to do is they're in Yeah, man. You've got scouts. You've got yeah. built in scouts where they can hunt scout.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah, when you knock them down and you you've you've laid eyes on them and everything, that's a whole different ball game. Now now you can make plans on going in there and being that assassin that you know Chav's so good to be, you know. Uh I'm I'm telling you, once you figure out plan A or plan B, then you can get everybody involved. You know, yeah. once you start knocking them down, they're ain't gonna. they not leaving out of there, especially if you do things right.
4: Well, you guys would always call, call me and Chav and say, mm-hmm. have you guys been scouting, right? And we don't do a whole lot of scouting. Right. Um, we'll go in at a certain time because we're looking for particular things. Sure. And Chav, what are the things we're looking for when we
2: scout? Well, we're looking for water, water sources, because sometimes they're there and sometimes they're not. And sometimes they're in the weirdest places. And a lot of times what's what's a dependable water hole is dry. So you're looking for that, definitely. Uh, In our area, we look for acorn, acorn crop, see what it's like, because you know eventually they're going to end up there, or they may end up there every night. Um, And then uh, just just general travel patterns by looking at the track on the dirt road, you know, it, it may be a general pattern early, but it will vary later. But, uh, you know, it gives you an idea, you know, where how they're traveling at that point.
4: Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. man. You know, we're, we're checking for food, we're checking for water, we're checking for movement, man. Sign of animals being in an area that's what we're looking for we don't care if we see the animals we just need the evidence that they're in the area
1: yeah you know i, I hearken back to my bass fishing days and Uh, Logan's got a tournament coming up this weekend. We'll do a little practicing and stuff. But when I would go and fish summertime tournaments that were heavily lily pad areas, I would go in and throw a topwater frog, and I'd count how many blowups I had in an area. It it had nothing to do with me catching fish. It was just knowing that they were there, right? And if I'd get 10 to 15 blowups in one area, you're going to land about half of those fish because they're very hard to catch. They're very hard to dig out of that heavy cover. But if I get 10 to 15 blow-ups, that means I could catch three to five of them that were all going to be really good ones. So I knew in my practice that that's what I was looking for. I was looking for bait. I was looking for, you know, uh, heavy cover that they wanted to be in. And I didn't need to fish. All I needed to do was see them blowing up. And I can make five or six casts in there if they're blowing up. Then I know I need to get out of there. And on game day, I'm going to be in there. Same thing with the elk. You know, if they're going to be in there, then you found – good sign, good water, good food, really good bedding area stuff. All you need to do is get out of there and leave it alone. Right. And then on game day, get in the middle of it. You know?
4: So you bring up a good point. Guys, when you go to scout before the season, leave your calls at home.
1: Yeah.
6: Do not
4: exactly. even take a frigging call with you because you're going to be mm-hmm. so tempted to get out there and try to use them and stuff. And mm-hmm. And I think when you do that, all you're doing is – you educate man and and it, you might end up actually calling a cow in or actually getting a bull to look your way and then you know you blow that out well you've just just given them a small education so uh and i guarantee you when they start hearing that kind of stuff you know these are smart critters man year well, after year when a certain time of year they start hearing things, it's like oh guess what's getting ready to happen now you know.
6: Yeah.
1: Okay, now we hear the trucks. We hear the oh
6: vehicles, yeah,
1: hear right four wheelers. Hear men talking. Yeah, Manano on the phone. Yeah, Manano on the phone with his wife.
3: Yeses. <laughs> now
4: something that we haven't talked about that I've never used, and I've never used it, and and I'll tell you honestly why I've never used it. Number one, I didn't have the time to keep going back and forth to check it, and. Uh the main reason was I didn't have the money to purchase them, and that's that's game cameras i've never I don't own a game cam. I've never had one. Now, can they be an important tool? I think Great they can be tools. I, I think they can be a good tool if you're using them sure. for the right things and yeah. and also during the actual season, you know I mean, when you're actually there hunting you know we talked about how we could end up going out and you know splitting up and scout well man you even extend your your team a little further if you have a game cam and you could set it on on water and find out well they're coming in and hitting it pretty regularly right sure. you know is that happening or are we seeing them going through this travel corridor from this place to this place you know uh just those types of things because Look, we could go in the same areas year after year, and the elk always travel through the same areas, man. And they're always going to some of the same areas, and they're bedding in a lot of the same areas. Uh, Elk love to rut their cows in the same areas year after year. Cows like to—they know where their best feed is year after year after year. Can that change? Yes, it can depending on those other crops. But, you know, you were talking about acorns, Chad. Remember two, three years ago, two years or three ago, we hit the trifecta. We had acorns, Mm pinyon, and juniper berries. I mean, Mm -hmm. there was just so much food that uh, those hillsides just pulled those critters in on that. And, oh, it was great for bear tags, too.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was area.
4: Uh, there's something else that we didn't mention about the food sources, though. And there's two other things. One is if there's agricultural areas in, yeah. around, especially for rifle hunters there. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have hay fields or different ag areas that mm-hmm. pull elk from one place to the other mm-hmm. and they the travel in office. and out. Or if there's cattle in an area that can graze a place out. You know, mm-hmm. elk primarily are going to graze. They now they are opportunists, they're going to eat Forbes, they're going to eat all these different things. They, whatever comes up that year, they're going to take advantage of it. But their staple is going to be good grass, that's going to be their staple. So, uh, if you have an area that cattle have been in and grazed it out, you know, uh, it might be good to know that man when you get in. You can tell you can get out there and everything's chewed down,
1: yeah. Yeah, you can see you can see where the browse rate is too. You know, I mean, you can see the grass how it's been uh, tram- trampled and eaten down, and same thing with the brow- browse height. You know, of where yeah. all your browse is.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you almost did that like Sling Blade. Mm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been known to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, another
4: thing we check on before we get in there, if we get a chance early season, is road conditions.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. a huge deal for us, you know, trying to get where we need to go because it's not easy.
2: Yeah, and, yeah, and the, look, go ahead, chap. I was going to say the wind can blow like crazy up there and, you know, the roads are blocked and yeah. you know, all kinds of stuff. And we had that, remember that one time we were um, in a different area, I guess we'll say, <laughs> but we hit a spot where every tree had been chopped about uh eight feet off the ground it looked like something just came by and just ta-ta-ta-ta. oh yeah from a wind shear. Mm-hmm. wind shear yeah yeah so uh yeah so road conditions change from year to year yeah
4: yeah and and look when we say road um that's a very loose interpretation <laughs> switch with.
1: back <laughs> <So>.
4: <laughs> dry riverbeds riverbeds <laughs> right you know oh, no. uh two we
1: tracks
4: or one track where a tire got to make a mark, you know, so yeah. uh, and if you're pulling a trailer
2: and, <laughs> and, and yeah, I, don't know if, I don't know if Joe's ever told you guys this story uh, we went out there uh, were we hunting or scouting? I don't really we were remember hunting. exactly we were hunting, we were hunting and uh, we drove over a volcanic rock and it just kind of uh, blew the seal off the tire so we had to change it right there, went 100 yards and blew the seal off another tire. <laughs> and nobody knew we were up there. And we bushwhacked it, what, 10 miles? 16 to- miles. 16 <laughs> miles. But <laughs> wow. I'll tell you, what, we went through places where no human has ever been. <laughs> Get back down. Let's talk
4: about the realities, man. The, in uh... – and we said, you know, you, look, we know before you can kill an elk, you got to find an elk. And yeah. we mm-hmm. are not able to emphasize this enough. It's going to be bigger. It's going to be farther. It's going to be steeper than you ever imagined if you haven't had boots on the ground.
1: Yeah, if you don't know it, for sure.
4: But don't freak out. Yeah, you know, stay with the game plan. Understand where those elk areas are. Eliminate a lot of that forest and go find those elky areas, man. Yeah,
1: yeah. Elky areas. Elk you know, areas. Man. We were talking. Luis and I got the opportunity to hunt with Paul Snort as we reported on another podcast and he was telling us about his hunt and he'd never been there before but he did exactly what we were talking about right now and every morning that kid would pop out of his truck and man he's just in the middle of them you know and everybody's going by him like passing him up and everything and they're like we ain't hearing nothing we ain't seeing nothing and he's like I don't know what if these guys are talking about man? <laughs> all over me, yeah. you know, well, and he, I mean, he could have killed the, elk every day.
4: He went know? through the same thing when he first got there though. He said yeah. he got there, he got out and looked around and said, Oh my God.
1: Oh yeah. Well, it's big you country know? where he was at yeah. Big you know? country, but big, big country, steep country. And, uh, but man, he had to go very far and boom, he was, he was in them, you know? So
4: here's, it's like, here's the thing to remember y'all, how do you eat an elephant?
1: One bite at a time, brother. One bite at a time, man. Exactly.
4: So when you get there to those woods, you can't take it all in and go, where do I start? You know where to start. You find the big four, man. You find where there's going to, and you can draw circles around these areas where Mm -hmm. within so much of a distance, there's water, there's bedding area, there's grass, right? Okay, you you've got those things that are going on in there. Benches possibly inside those uh, thick timbered areas, and thick timber can happen in in not just a north face, but there can be canyons in between where that that can happen. It can be one that drops down into something off of a mesa, and they're on the sides down in there. So. Uh, Wherever there's going to be good cover for them, where they can get to water, grass, and security, man, they're going to be good,
5: okay? Uh, find. But doesn't necessarily mean that they'll be there. So, great point. Just because you
4: find an area that looks like the perfect area, doesn't mean elk are always going to be there.
1: Yeah. Mm. But yeah, look you, for the signs of are they yeah, there? Signs are important. Yeah. 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 Fresh droppings, you know, uh, in case of bulls and stuff like that, are they rubbing their antlers out? You know, blowing up trees? Uh, Absolutely. Fresh drop tracks in the road, tracks in the mud. Around the water holes, I mean, and you know, you don't know whether they've been there recently or not.
4: That's something we didn't even mention, though, as a feature. And and we talk about land features, but as sign as some of your sign besides tracks, old rubs tell you a lot. Where and like I said, bulls like to rut in the same areas year after year, and that gives you it. It just shows you those places that they like to be. Find mm-hmm. those old rubs, man. Okay, that's right. Good stuff, man.
1: Very the lot. good stuff
4: so. So let, let's hit the mailbox and we'll get out of here
1: sounds good brother
2: hey uh, Ed Morris from Louisville Kentucky said or asks uh, what do you carry in the back country in the way of first aid triage provisions have you had instances where you had to use the kit uh, not not a whole lot but there's always going to be that one time <laughs>
3: Louis Louis got manano. That? He says, manano. <laughs> uh,
1: you know, I, I carry a little bit of something, some bandages, uh I carry some wet wipes and I carry um an ace bandage and that's been mainly for my ankle. Uh but the ace bandage has a lot of different uses, you know. Uh, you
4: carry any hot spot or moleskin or anything like that?
1: i do yeah Yeah, because that gets used a
4: lot every year
1: for sure yeah yeah Yeah, that mold skin is helps with you know with uh no blisters and stuff like that and i tell you something else i use and it's not just mold skin i used a gorilla tape and uh you know that gorilla tape is super tough yeah
2: you know. And like and yeah. uh, take up your shoes when they yeah. fall apart. No, <laughs> just,
5: that he'll have Manano for to tie his, his soul into paracord. Manana and his paracord. No, I think Yeah, and I think look, I you know, we we travel light in the sense that most of our stuff is really at camp and we kind of break the day. Uh, you know sometimes we break the days into two two hunts and then just kind of so so that makes us like you like joe said we're fairly mobile um you know and and to me the biggest safety precaution that you can have is good communication and um, that's what that Zolio device was a game changer for our last hunt because then that way, if something happens to any of us, we can quickly communicate and and move around with our four wheelers and bring somebody to camp. And then at camp, we'll have more provisions. At camp, I can tell you, I have, you know, a, a, a full a full first aid kit. Yeah, we we do have full first aid kits. So, yeah, to where you can you know yeah you you have all kinds of bandages and and you know. Stitches, if you want to have stitches or anything like that, so um, that's kind of the way we do it. We don't carry all that first aid on with us as we're hunting, yeah.
4: Now, I there's some items I do carry, you know, kind of like what Gilbert talked about, you know, right. the bandage and uh, a, a wrap because there's so much you can do with that yeah,
5: absolutely. I,
4: I recommend, you know, if you can get if you can get a blood clotting gauze, you know, it's got mm-hmm. uh, blood clotting gel inside of it, um, and you know, I saw one thing that as far as it was a type of uh, suture, an external suture that you can use that uh, if something bad was to happen. But, um, in fact, uh, it, uh, here's a plug. Uh, Corey Jacobson did a, a video on one of his destination elk either two years ago or three years ago where they had a guy that jammed a broadhead in his in – his, uh, a calf right. and it was a bad situation and that's and they realized that they weren't ready for a situation like that and was using anything and everything they can you know the good thing was they found a workaround and they used their head with what they did have but you know uh that's kind of an eye opener and they actually have a kit that they talk about and different things in that kit and that's something i would recommend ed if if you really want to know something about that to take a look at that and see what you need to carry. Um, you know, uh, things to be able like I said, with the super glue to be able to help you to seal some things up. Um, yeah. things that uh, you can use for wrapping and moleskin is something that gets used a lot or hot spot with like a hotspot tape and stuff like that. And yeah. sometimes just a just a small roll of athletic tape can do wonders
1: yeah right? yeah so. yeah athletic tape is real good yeah you know most of the stuff we're guarding against are falls sprained ankles if you do break a bone i mean there's you know hopefully where you're hunting there's going to be some down logs and everything y'all make a splint you know when you if you carry a little bit of that ace bandage you can you know get it pretty tight there where you can get the get it elevated and then get
4: and get you know, on the Zolio and get some help
1: yeah and then get on your Zolio and get some help and yeah. by all means guys if y'all impale something in you don't pull it out leave it in there until you can get help uh when you pull it out it's going to do a lot of damage if you if you damage an artery pulling it out you're going to bleed a whole lot more you know if you stick something inside you and just leave it there till you can get some help for somebody to get it out right so you know, it keeps um, it
4: plugged up it's yeah, it keeps it plugged
1: head. up, you know. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've read stories of guys, you know, they get an, an arrow impaled in them or something like that, and the you know, first thing they want to do is jerk it out of them. And then, you know, they, they have a lot of problems with bleeding, you know. And I'm mm-hmm. like, this that thing's in there, if, if it ain't bleeding, it's good, you know. I mean, uh, <laughs> let it stay there, and we're going to get you somewhere we can get it out, you know. Um, I'll never forget my cousin one time. We were kids. He got a hook in his eyeball, and I mean, I've never in my life been so scared. My cousin Ty, man, he's 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 a true trooper, man. He was t- pulling his rod and reel out of my truck, and the worm and the worm weight came off the where it was set on the reel. It came off and flipped and just pendulumed up and stuck him ah. in the eyeball underneath the, on the right side of the iris, right underneath the lip of the eye, eye eyelash, and it stuck him right in the eyeball. Boop, right in there, man. And the first thing he wanted to do, oh, uh, oh, uh, he got, Stop the worm weight from swinging. The weight swinging like oh, <laughs> right. So I stop oh. that, and, he, and I'm like, "What's wrong? What's wrong?" He goes, stop it from sm- moving. So I stop it from moving, and he turns to me and goes, "It's in my eyeball." Oh, oh my god! <laughs> I, I'm about to pass out. Just been <laughs> <to> listening <laughs> to the story, man. I'm looking at him. I'm like, "Oh man! Oh my god!" Tyson. "Don't move, dude." He goes, "Move hell!" He he said, I'm wondering, if my eyeball's still in there? I said, it's still in there, dude. Just relax, man. Just relax.
5: I said, I'm getting dizzy, bro, with this story, man. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, said, I'm, it, I said, I don't think it's past the barb. I said, let me look. And so I pulled his eyelash up. And sure enough, man, it was just to where the barb is. And I said, man, hang on just a second. So I went and got me two, uh, a long piece of... I've been getting hooks out of people for a long time. I went through a long piece of uh of uh braided fishing line and I doubled it run it back up underneath there man and I said alright dude I said I want you to hold the top of the eye the hook against your eyeball right? against your eyebrow I said when I jerk on that thing I'm going to pop it right out and he's like you're going to jerk my eyeball out you know, he's all freaked out I'm like well you got a hook in your eye bro you know, I'm like you, you probably can't see out of it anyway if I jerk it out they'll put it back in there he's like oh man!" he's bawling you so sure enough, it pops back in there. I pop it out, and it wasn't past. And you
5: morning. just finished telling people not to pull stuff out.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know,
5: but look, man,
1: that's different, okay? I knew that it wasn't in the bar, and it wasn't in an area that was going to bleed a whole lot. So I popped it out of there, like Ugh. I said, and it – Strange things happen, you got to be prepared for them, you know. Yeah, and right. uh, my cousin still sees 2020 out of his eyes today, you know. He's uh, he's okay, uh, but uh, yeah, it, be ready for some things that are gonna whew. take you to some detours. And and uh, yeah, you know, like Joe said, if you gotta be a good boy scout, you gotta be ready for anything, you know. So,
4: we're gonna we're gonna save the next one for next week. That's gonna okay. have to close us out from here, are there, Gilbert
1: sounds good guys an awesome awesome stuff on our e-scouting and how we can help our grinders out there get ready for the upcoming 2021 elk season. We hope everybody draws. I know everybody's on pins and needles. The Mafia's on pins and needles. Heck, my ain't even drawn yet. You know, uh, are ready to rock and roll. I know the Pennsylvania cat killer himself's put in. So uh, we're going to be on pins and needles for a few weeks here to see how this goes. But we're going to keep coming at y'all with more content and helping y'all uh, get ready for the upcoming <clears throat> 2021 season. Um, if you like what we're doing here please subscribe rate and review us you got to go to apple podcast or itunes to review us and you can check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com and just a reminder to all our grinders if any of you would like their questions answered on our show just send your question to info at elkbros.com that's info at elkbros.com amazing stuff uh tonight guys i can't wait to see what we bring bring next week uh, you know gear and stuff like that uh some of us are going to be on spring break so joe we're gonna have to see how i can remote to get in that deal but we're gonna make it happen dude so uh, i've been doing this every year uh we go to the toby and it's part of what we do as an oil field put the texas oilman's bass invitational on so uh, i'll be there shooting remote but i I guarantee i'm gonna find me some cell signal and we're going to pull this thing off for next week for our grinders. So um, I can't wait for next week to see what all these guys got in their packs and stuff like that. It's going to be really cool. Uh, y'all aren't going to want to miss that show. Like we say down here in the Lone Star State, right here in Texas, husbands, kiss your wives. Wives, kiss your husbands. Hug your babies. Keep your head sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk County.
4: Peace, peace, everybody. Peace. Peace. Good night, y'all. If I
7: can't hunt bull elk in heaven, will I guess that I am going to hell? Devil Five, six is my best friend In tough times He's Staring down at me Mounted in disbelief That I climbed His mountaintop with a stick And a string I called him out One on one And when it was said and done I was standing Over him hoping Young Yeah You see, the stubborn side of me has always been wild and free. I'll never be done on earth chasing them bulls. Yeah, if I can't hunt bull elk in heaven, will I guess that I am going to hell?